theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony open up your mouth and say so give him praise every high thing must come down every stronghold must be broken for the name of Jesus Christ is a name above every name every dimension has to submit to the name of Jesus there is none greater hallelujah praise God super excited to be in the presence of the Lord. I love what I feel today. I feel the victory of Jesus Christ and I give him praise for what he is doing in our midst. So glad that our EC fam is here today and to all of our guests. My name is Akil Thompson. I'm the pastor here at Extraordinary Church and we believe we are the perfect church for imperfect people. And so if you are, are willing, bold, daring enough to say, hey, you know what? I don't have it all together, then you're going to fit right in. And even if you think you have it all together, there's room for you too. And so we're so delighted to have you. We also believe by faith that we are the fastest growing church in Canada reaching the world. We believe that. And I'm so excited. I'm going to jump in, but before I jump in, I want to take a moment and just tell you how faithful God is. We are super excited to have some special guests with us today. Kyle and Janessa Thayer are with us today, and I'll explain their role. Uh, they, with the organization that we hold our ministerial credentials with, they serve as the youth presidents of the state of Michigan. And uh, yeah, it's a really cool deal. And uh, so they just drove about four hours, but next week, tomorrow, matter of fact, some are arriving tonight and tomorrow, we'll have almost two dozen people from all over North America coming to invest in what God is doing here. And you might wonder, well, why is it happening? One, I believe God prompted me to declare it shortly after we arrived. I was at the, uh, I'm going to take them to this spot where I was the highest elevated spot in Mississauga. And I was praying, and the Lord had given me a vision. And he said, I want you to declare that the Apostolic Youth Corps is coming. And so I did, and without, uh, I didn't do anything else after that. And then a few months later, I was in Missouri, and Sunitha Clayton uh, said to me, she said, have you heard the good news? And I was like, what's the good news? And uh, I thought she was talking about the gospel. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. Uh, and she said, no, we want to bring AYC to Toronto. We want you to be the host. And I said, that's amazing. And that was 2019 or 20. I don't know. We tried to make it happen and COVID and COVID. And then, you know what? I just got, we just got tired of COVID and said, yeah, we coming no matter what. And so they're coming. And I want you to know the young people and this couple, they have invested their own funds. If you want to know, they, have, they are paying $2,600 U.S., to come and spread the gospel in this region. I give God praise for that. And so the Thayers, we're super delighted to have you all. Thank you so much. Uh, it's so many cool connections. I won't have time to unpack that, but be with us. Wednesday, we're going to be doing our midweek Bible connection in person. In person, right here, in this room. 
So I know we normally do it virtually. Come, you're going to be blessed. We're going to be testifying and just celebrating the victory of Jesus Christ right here at 730. You don't want to miss it. Friday night, we're going to be gathering together. And uh, we're just going to believe God for an amazing weekend and wonderful reports. At the conclusion of today's worship experience for our altar call, we're going to receive communion. And I've asked Alex Krakowiak to lead us in communion. And then after that, we have a baptism. And so we celebrate what God is doing. And Pastor Barry is going to uh, facilitate that baptism. And we're super excited. Well, let's go ahead and you know what? Uh, let's just pray. I, I, I'm just going to tell you my title, and then I'm going to jump. I'm, I'm going to get to my scriptures later. Uh, but uh, I did say this. This is a series. You all know I don't typically do a series on a Sunday. And I thought to myself, uh, like this would be maybe three or four weeks, Rihanna. Originally, it was going to be three. But remember like the Kingdom of God series I did? That turned out to be like a 10-week series. I, 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 I'm feeling a little 10-week heat. Jack, Jackie, pray for me. Pray. I don't think I'm done. I was, I was unpacking it, Stephen, and I said, I don't know. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach today the third installment of A Generous Life, and I've titled this specific sermon, The Ripple Effect. The Ripple Effect. Would you help me pray, Father? We love you. We bless you. Let your anointing, which is already in this place, rest heavily upon everybody under the sound of my voice, including me. Help me to teach and preach your word with relevancy and with accuracy, God. Do whatever you want to do. We'll give you the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Somebody said amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We are uh, so looking forward to... Uh, the life-changing power of generosity. I want you to know that generous people change lives. I'm going to say that again. Generous people change lives. And I believe Extraordinary Church, God is building his church through us and many other churches. But I believe God is raising us up to be a blessing, to advance his kingdom, and to be a blessing to others. You all might remember we talked about Abraham and the very first thing that the Lord, he, he said to Abraham, I'm going to make your name great and you're going to be a blessing. You're going to be a blessing to those that you come in contact with. Can I tell you, that's the will of God for the body of Christ. I want to be a blessing to those I come in contact with. I want, to, I want people to feel encouraged when they hang out with me. I want them to feel motivated and inspired. I want them to feel blessed. And what I have discovered with teaching on, on finances in particular and, and generosity, we've talked about our time and our giftings and how we can use all of that. But I found this to be the case, that there's one of two types of folks that are out there. People who either become extraordinarily generous or the folks that just kind of like leave the church because we're talking about giving. And you know how that is. I mean, you know those folks. They're like, I knew it all along. That's all he wanted to do. He couldn't wait to talk about money. I, I, I could see it all over his face, right on his forehead. He's going to preach about money. And they got all these answers, and they tend to be a cynic. But I make no apologies for teaching and preaching about generosity because the Scripture is not silent on it. Let me just help you right now. God doesn't need your money. He owns it all. Okay, but he does want something for us. And you know what? This is why I make no apologies about preaching about grace and mercy and authenticity. Why? Because there's not one functional person in Scripture except Jesus Christ. 
they're all dysfunctional. So I have no problem preaching about the Holy Ghost and the power it will give you. I have no problem preaching about baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. I have no problem preaching miracle signs and wonders because all of that is in this book. Praise God. And so when Scripture speaks to those things, I want to speak to those things. Yet, I do acknowledge that some of you all have PTSD. Because some of you come from spaces that were abusive. And you're like, oh, Lord, here he go. He's going to talk about generosity. He's going to prophesy and say there's 100 people that can give $2,000 right now. Come give a seed offering. Praise God. <laughs> Calm down. You hear generosity, you just get tight. You can just relax. Some of y'all so tired, you know, just breathe, breathe. It is quite all right. As a matter of fact, the reality of it is this is the second time I have ever preached or taught about generosity. We've been here a little over four years. Uh, we don't even receive uh, an offering or the tithe on Wednesday night. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we, we, we make our biblical declarations and, and, and we leave it alone. But some of us uh, with this PTSD, it's kind of like if you had a bad experience, you ever gone to the doctor and they try to, you know, draw your blood and the phlebotomist, they don't know what they're doing and you had a bad experience. And so the next time you go, you, you, you just tight. They ain't even got started and you're like, you making faces and they looking at you like... <laughs> They just put the tape on your arm and they just get the, the cotton ball dab with some alcohol and you're already like, are you done yet? You, you can relax. You don't have to be tight as it relates to generosity because you, you don't have to flinch before anything happens. There's no need for that today. But if you missed the first couple of weeks of what will now be a 10-week series, maybe not. Uh, but we highlighted so many different ways in which you can be generous. We can be generous with our thoughts, generous with our words, generous with our money, generous with our influence, generous with our time, our attention. Remember, we talked about being present. We can also be generous with our belongings. And hopefully by now, if you've been a part of Extraordinary Church for any point in time, you understand that uh, generosity is more than about your money. It's really about God taking the totality of who we are, everything that we're connected to, and blessing Him and those around us. And so, in week one, we talked about awareness. The second week, when we talked about activating our awareness and understanding that we've got to move from a desire to be generous, but to intentionally live a generous life. And now I want to talk to you about what God will do through you, and that is making an impact. See, what comes from the word, what's, what, when you think of impact, in the States, we have football sports is like on a whole nother level here. I was having a conversation with some people, and I was shocked to know that they didn't even know like what a high school rivalry was, because like in the States, they're just rivalries, and you have these schools that you, Sarah Beth knows what I'm talking about, and I want to shout out Sarah Beth because we're so glad she came from Texas to be a part of our AYC team. She knows full well high school rivals. Uh, people will kill over high school football in the state of Texas. So, I'm, I'm, it, it gets scary what happens there in Texas. But uh, you can think of a, an impact. 
that, you know, these competitors will have on the field. And, uh, and, and in football, sometimes the reality of it is the tougher they hit, the bigger the impact, the more the crowd would get excited. It's kind of like uh, hockey, if you will, when that guy, I don't know what they call it. I don't think it's legal, but when they kind of are blindsided and they just get checked and they get knocked out, you see that impact. And some of us have been uh, doing various sports. We were playing, we call it kickball. Uh, in the in the states, but I learned here I think it's called soccer baseball. So, uh, you know, I was trying to, I, in my mind, Jaden, you know, in my mind I wasn't 46. In my mind, and Alex was next to me. I felt like I might be 20, like Alex. And so, you know, I played a little soccer, and I no, I'm just kidding. I really wasn't trying to impress Alex, but just in my mind, I thought I could run a little faster. And then, and so Alex was just giggling, and I was like, what is he giggling at? I said, this brother is laughing a little too hard at, at me and Pastor Barry. I was, like, I was like, what is going on? So, but we went to, we went to, you know, I'm kicking the ball, and I'm running, and I almost fell and made impact on the ball, but I didn't, praise God. But I, I did something to my hip. I hadn't run for a little bit. Anyway, neither here nor there. Those are those impacts. However, there's another definition of impact as well. Impact can also mean having a strong effect on someone or something. Okay? Watch this. You ever been to the ocean? I remember we were in California, the west coast, the Pacific Ocean. Those waves were violently crashing against the shore. I'll never, ever forget that. But you know what? That's not where that impact started. Those waves are formed by energy passing through the water. The wind has an impact upon the water. And the friction and energy creates those waves that we see constantly coming up to the shore. And I find that fascinating. But there's also an impact that, is, that we cannot see, that is creating an impact we can see. Yet another way, the collision we see at the end of the wave is caused by energy and friction created by an invisible wind. Just give you an example. You know what? If you, because like we have lakes around here, but they're massive lakes. If you go out to the lake and you just pick up a rock and throw it in the water. When that rock hits the impact or hits the surface of that water, it makes an impact, a ripple effect throughout the water. Those ripples continue to move throughout the water from the point of impact. In fact, you can see, watch this, you can see the ripple effect without ever identifying the cause in the first place. That is the power of impact. But impact doesn't exclusively exist in oceans or lakes or sporting events. Impact happens in our everyday lives. And I'm not talking about the kind of impact from football players or when we fall down. I'm talking about the kind of impact we can make by committing to live a generous life. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Quick survey. If you have ever been impacted by another person, raise your hand. Now, just look around for a moment. Look around for a moment. It's okay. Praise God. All right, now watch this. The person who impacted your life so deeply was also impacted by someone else. That person was impacted by someone before them. What am I trying to get you to understand? When you are impacted by another person, you are most likely experiencing what I like to call the ripple effect. 
Just like you might not see the start of the wave in the ocean or the impact that was caused by the rock with the ripple through the lake, most of us never see the origin of the impact we experience. Why? Because the impact goes all the way back to the beginning of human history. See, when you read the scriptures, you see the story of God creating humanity in his own image, a generous God who breathed life into his people and invited them into his story. And all of that impact can be traced back to this moment. My wife, Sarah, is very passionate about uh, studying the historical account of creationism as it pertains to Scripture, and thus has invested a considerable amount of her time into and her theological studies into the book of Genesis. Genesis. This has sparked a lot of conversation for you and I at home, and it's given me a deeper appreciation of how everything is spelled out in the book of Genesis. It's fascinating. I mean, everything. I'm going to show you. Let's go to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, and look at verse 1. I'm going to read through 7 here. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore. I'm sorry, this thing is driving me crazy. She conceived and bore Cain, and thank you, Deal, uh, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. And then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you big mad, bro? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. Now, isn't it interesting, just a side note, if God asks you a question, don't you think it deserves a response? (laughs) Because he's like, why are, you, why are you big mad? And Cain doesn't even respond. Cain just ignores the entire conversation like, he was, like it was just one way. And he could have been like, Lord, here's why I'm mad. Here's why I'm frustrated. Here's why I'm angry. Can I just tell you, you can talk to God. You don't have to fake the funk with God, and you don't have to fake the funk here at Extraordinary Church. Let me just give you a newsflash right now. If you're angry or you're frustrated or you're disappointed, he already knows. Okay, that was the religious folk. So if you're angry, frustrated, bitter, broken, can I just selfish, he already knows. You don't have to fake the funk. You can let God know how you feel. But here's the problem. Here's what we need to understand. Our feelings don't have intellect. And if you're not careful, you allow your feelings to dictate how you behave. And when you allow your feelings to dictate how you behave, then you find yourself in a vicious cycle of behavior where your relationships are way up and way down and your connections because you're allowing your feelings to lord over you and your feelings will take you to a place you don't want to go. Watch, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. So, he just kind of, he's all in his feelings, talking about Cain. So, the Lord's like, why are you angry? Why is your countenance falling? If you do well, you'll be good. 
And look at this. Look at verse 8. He says, now Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. The Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? Now Cain want to talk. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. I don't have time to unpack all of this right now. I'm going to unpack some of it, but this all emanates because Cain was being led by his feelings. Now, watch this. Watch this. If you look at Genesis, I told Sarah this. Genesis 1 opens up like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So, in the beginning, God, you could take the first four chapters and you can sum up the book. You can sum it up like this. In the beginning, God created. So, in the beginning, God. That right there tells us the sovereignty of God. He is God all by himself. He created the heavens and the earth. Okay? Look at verse 2. I'm sorry, chapter 2. Now, we go to chapter 2, and we understand this is the Garden of Eden. Eden, God creates humanity. Okay? And what's amazing is when he creates humanity, Adam is with, by himself, and Adam is naming all the animals, and he's got dominion, and he's like, it's not good that man be alone. And so he puts him to sleep, and from Adam he calls woman. He creates woman, and he brings them back together. Marriage is the foundational bedrock of human civilization according to the Word of God. That's why when God says, what I brought together, let nobody separate. So, one, creation. Two, uh, we have uh, marriage. Three, I mean, I wish I could say like chapter eight, <laughs> chapter 12. I wish they had waited a bit. I wish I could say, let's go to Genesis 42. But instead, I'm right there at Genesis chapter 3. People doing what we do best. Jacking stuff up. Wilding out. We ain't get to, I mean, I'm like, Adam, Eve, can we at least, could you not have waited to Genesis 49? Help me out. Here they go. What's the deal? Sin. Really what we see, though, is behavior. That's what we see, behavior. And how people behave, especially when God is not the center. And the fourth thing, the fourth thing, look at Genesis chapter 4. We get here and watch this. This is, this is crazy. God says, I don't want anything else to be said about human history at the establishment of, of it until we address one thing. That one thing, giving. Because if I don't address 
the way that I want people to relate to me and show them how to love me and loving and giving, then our relationship is going to suffer as a result of it. Can I tell you, when there is no giving in any relationship, it's always going to suffer. We're going to talk about it here in a moment. This is why it's so important. You be careful who you hang with. There's consumers and there's contributors. If you're a consumer, you will always suffer in your relationships. So, here's what I want you to understand. It's not about what Cain gave. It's about when Cain gave. It wasn't about what Cain gave. It was about when Cain gave. Some people have taught and said, hey, you know what? Well, it's a blood sacrifice, and that's why Abel's was accepted, and this is why Cain's was not. That's not correct because Abel clearly was a shepherd, and, uh, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And so he gave what God had uh, allowed him to give. And so in verse 3 of chapter 4, it tells us in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Now, Cain did give unto the Lord. And this is why we say we're the, we are the perfect church for imperfect people. I didn't come to throw any shade at Cain. Okay? No judgment. But there is a difference between judgment and a little fruit inspection. You do know a tree by its fruit. And so when, when he gave, what he gave wasn't the issue. When he gave was the issue. See, the Bible tells us that Abel gave the first and best of what he got from the sheep. Cain gave some of the stuff that he got from the ground. This is a really teachable moment here. So, the Lord is like, you know, before the law of Moses <laughs> and, and commandments to tithe, before there was any scripture about this, before there was ever a Jew, and Abraham is called out of Aaron, and he's like, hey, you know what? Here, I'm going to show you to a, I'm going to show you a lamb. Abraham would be the first Jewish person. Before any of that was instituted, before there was a tithe in place, God wants us to know that giving has nothing to do with the law and everything to do with your heart. Isn't it interesting? The first two kids on the planet, and God wants to give us a lesson on giving. <laughs> this is why I told you in the first week of this series, we have to make sure that we put God first. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. In other words, God comes first in everything. Can somebody say amen? amen. This is a principle that runs all throughout Scripture. God comes first. Therefore, the first things belong to God. God is always interested in the first EC fam. I don't have time to go into this. It's a sermon all by itself. That's why I'm going to extend this to 10 weeks. Not next week. That's a different, different message. But God doesn't want what's left. God wants what's first. And when you do it, it actually lets him know what you think of him. How you think of him. When you do it, it lets him know, God, you got first place in my life. And so, 
when you have to, what you have to give is not the issue. When you give it is the issue. And Cain's gift is an extension of himself. Cain's, you, you can't separate the gift from the giver. Okay, watch. Look at this in verse 5. Okay? It tells us, because, see, when a person gives a gift, it comes from their heart. Okay? Here's what it says in, in, in verse 5 of chapter 4. But he, being God, did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Okay? It says he didn't accept Cain's. Uh, watch this. This is crazy. It says he did not accept Cain and his gift. Did not accept Cain and his gift. It does say that he accepted Abel and his gift. <laughs> this is because the gift cannot be separated from the giver. This, this made Cain very angry. All right, you ever been somewhere, um, I, I, I told my wife this, I, I, I've been guilty. You know, there was a show I, I thought about, y'all know I didn't grow up in church. And so there was this couple that was dating and uh, they were serious and they both loved each other. And uh, dude, uh, homegirl wanted to get married. And he was like, why are you trying to lock me up? You, you know, he's like, you're trying to put the clink, clink on a brother. Just leave me be. He was like, you know what? When the time is right, we'll get married and we'll do all this. And she had, you know, uh, and she was like, well, if we're not going to get married, you know, if we're, I'm, I'm all in on this relationship. We've been doing this for a while now. She was like, I'm going to go advance my career. I've got an opportunity to go to New York. And he thought he was, she was trying to uh, be manipulative and kind of force him to do so. And so she's packing up and getting ready to leave, and, and he's like, you're just going to keep playing these games. He's like, you're just going to keep playing these games. And, and this is what he says, like, the apartment is empty, right? And he's like, you're going to keep playing these games. He was like, is this what you're going to do? And he's like, well, here's what we're going to do. He said, fine, I will marry you. Are you happy now? And she's like, crying. She's like, you know what? That was the proposal that I always dreamed of. Sarcasm. She's like, you know what? It wasn't, she, that was what she wanted, but that wasn't how she envisioned it. You ever had somebody give you a, or you, you ever, <laughs> okay, here goes one. You out eating. And I can be a, a bit, um, well, maybe I am dramatic. Maybe a bit. <laughs> Slight flair for a little dramatic. Thank you, Ernest Thompson, if you're watching. So, um, my, my wife's like, every day you become a bit more like Ernest Thompson. And so I'm like, man, you ever had that where the food is good? And if my food is good, I'm going to talk about it. Like, mm, this food is slamming. I was like, my goodness gracious. And I'll be so immersed in enjoying myself in the experience. You know, Sarah, she's like, well, it, can I have some since it's so good? And I'm like, oh, you want some of my food? I'm like, if you wanted some, why didn't you order some? 
you think I'd learn. And then I finally get to a point, well, you know what? I'm like, man, this food is good. She's, and I'm like, will you want something? No, 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 no. I don't want it now. I'm like, oh, you don't want it now. No, I don't want it now. I wanted it when I didn't have to ask for it. I wanted it for. Are y'all hearing me today? You can't separate the gift from the giver. In other words, when he looks at the gift, he looks at you. How do we interact with God? Uh, you might be wondering, well, let, let me show you how you can't separate. If you could get this, this is like I saw this passage in a way that I hadn't seen it before. I'm like, he is the God. Watch this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You can't separate the giver from the gift. He is God. He came himself for you and I. You can't separate the gift from the giver. The reason why you know God loves you so much is by what he gave you and when he gave it to you. When did he give it to you? Before the foundations of the world. My God, somebody ought to give him praise because he decided to robe himself in flesh and come for you and I before the foundations of the world. The Lamb of God was slain. And so we have to make a decision in our relationship with God. Am I going to contribute or am I going to consume? So the Lord said to Cain, why are you big mad, bro? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? Now, right here, right here in this moment, what's the right thing to do? What's the right thing to do? Anybody, that's not a rhetorical question. Shout it out, blurt it out. Sorry. <laughs> You're right, God. Yeah, you're right. Give it first. He had an opportunity. He saw what his brother did. He knew what Abel did. He knew that Abel and his gift was accepted. He saw himself and his gift rejected. So God says you will be accepted if you do what is right. This is when he had the opportunity to change his mind. This is repentance. There's those moments, you all know what I'm talking, y'all not going to keep it real with me today, but there's those moments when you know you're about to do what you know you shouldn't be doing. And the Holy Ghost is like, do you want to do what you're about to do? And you're like, well, I do, but I know I shouldn't. And when we tune that out and we decide not to change our course of action, we walk right into something. And I want you to understand this. This is why you got to be so careful because consumers will do this stuff. Because consumers are self-absorbed. When we consume, we can't see anything but ourselves. And right there, Cain had an opportunity to give up thinking what he thought was a good gift. Here's what the Lord said to him. You're not listening. He said, not, not you all, just Cain. Cain, you're not listening. If you do well, you'll be accepted. And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. Crouching. Waiting 
It's desire. Notice the desire of sin is to rule over you. Sin is waiting for the right moment. Waiting, crouching for you to decide not to repent. And the moment you do that, all of a sudden you find yourself bound and sin is lording over your life. Eager to control you. That's why he says you must subdue it and be its master. So here's something to consider. The first murder in Scripture had to do with an offering. The first murder in human history is between two brothers that came out of the same womb over a gift. What God is trying to let us know that if we don't get giving right, we have the propensity to do anything wrong. If he's not the first person you're thinking about when it comes to your gift, you have the propensity to do anything with that money and with your life. Oh, God. If he's not the first thing on your mind in that relationship, you'll do anything in that relationship. If he's not the first person in your mind helping you make your decisions with your academic pursuits, you'll do anything in your academic pursuits. If he's not the first person on your mind, is somebody hearing me this afternoon? You have the propensity to do anything. See? Our story is about making a kingdom impact. It's the story of lives intersecting with one another. And since the beginning of human history until this moment, we find ourselves in right now. I want you to take a look at the book of Acts. I'm going to show you something here and give you a demonstration of what impact looked like in the early church when they were not consumers but contributors. I'm going to come back to Cain in just a moment, but I want you to look at this. Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 46. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, uh, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. This is the ingredient right here, EC fam. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. And sold all their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Simplicity of heart. This right here describes explosive growth. Watch, show them 47 real quick. I know I didn't give you my notes, but I just, I know what's coming next, so I wanted to see it. Let's show them Acts chapter 2, verse 47. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Can I tell you, when we tap in to extraordinary generosity, God will add to the church daily. Daily. Daily we'll see people baptized. Daily we'll see people filled. Daily we'll see people healed. Daily we'll see people reconciled unto God. Daily we'll see great joy manifesting itself in our communities and our workplaces. Daily God will do it. This is the will of God. 
And in the Gospels, we're given the, the, the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Jesus promised his followers that he would be the one to defeat death, hell, and the grave. And they didn't understand what all that meant. Uh, and they're just blown away when he resurrects. They're still asking him the same question in Acts chapter 1. They're asking him about the kingdom. When are we going to come and take over? And, you know, so they didn't process all of this. But he said, hey, after that, he said, go and wait. You're going to be in due with power from on high. You're going to be witnesses for me to this entire world. In essence, Jesus showed them a lifestyle of generosity and sacrifice and making an impact. Jesus created the ripple effect. And to ensure this ripple effect continues, the first followers of Jesus receive his spirit and he guides them to impact their world. So by the time we get to Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we see the church giving their possessions worshiping together, enduring persecution. We aren't seeing standalone, isolated people who are fragmented with schisms and isms. We see a united people making an impact of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Praise God. The Lord added daily. I want you to know God has called you to be a contributor, not a consumer. I want to show you a quick video. First Peter 4 verse 10 tells us that God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. At Extraordinary Church, we believe that God has called us to be contributors and not consumers. Come, take a virtual walk with us as a few of us share of the impacts and joy of serving others. How's it going, EC fam? My name is Alex Jacobiak. My name is Sophia. My name is Patricia. And my name is Melissa. And my name is Dominique. And the best part about serving in EC is being more than a consumer. Is that every day, it is a reminder that everything we do is never about us. When I first came to EC, everyone was so nice and welcoming, and I just want to be able to serve people and do the same in any way that I can. It's being a contributor and taking that mindset into our daily lives. An extraordinary life. Sometimes the biggest things that we can do are the smallest things. It's in the smallest details um, about serving other people. And if it wasn't for one person making an impact on my life, giving me just a little bit more attention. It's about serving them and impacting them through that. A small impact can go a long way. Um, and we just invite you to be a contributor and not a consumer. That's the will of God, to be a contributor and not a consumer. Not just with our finances, with our time, our talent, our treasure, everything God has called us to make an impact. And when we understand this, we're really willing to be spirit-led and give all. If they didn't see the early disciples, if they didn't see a God who gave himself fully out of love for his creation, the generosity of God expressed through God in the flesh in Jesus Christ. It would have stopped. But it didn't stop there. This is why it's so generous. Peter is like, they were blown away. You can read this in Acts chapter 10. Like, they thought it was just for the Jews. And God's so generous. He was like, hey, this is for everybody. 
black, I'm t it's for everybody, no matter what the color of your, st your skin is, makes no difference what your faith tradition is. If you don't have it, if you're agnostic, if you're atheist, if you're Muslim, if you're Hindu, if you're Buddhist, I want you to know the gospel of Jesus Christ is for you. The goodness of God is for you. It makes no difference what your sexual orientation may be. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for you. It makes no difference what you did last night, what was done to you five years ago. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for you. That giving, that generosity. And so the ripple effect is powerful because it has the ability to go on and on until Jesus Christ, our King, returns. That is if we do our part. In order for the impact of generosity to continue to bless the world and specifically through Extraordinary Church, then we have to continue to be generous. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8 and 7. See that you also grow in this grace of giving. Wow. Amazing. Can I just tell you, generosity inspires generosity. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. This generous life is an extremely contagious one. And when we commit to being generous people, the ripple effect will continue to create more generosity in the world. This is why, you know what, when we just had our Extraordinary Kindness Day, and I'm thankful for the over 50 people that helped us in joining and serving uh, very, and partnering with different organizations. We fed over 200 homeless men, uh, had a good cookout and a barbecue. We had a great time. We prepared homeless kits and comfort kits and we blessed and we served. This is what God called us to do. We gave out strategic acts of kindness, and we were giving out gift cards to restaurants and gas stations and cash. And Stephen was telling me about a conversation he'd had with somebody, and they were blown away. They were like, why are you doing this? Why are you being so generous? Why are you being so kind? You know what? I remember one time I was at a McDonald's. It was, and thankfully I can say it was a while ago, praise God. Boy, I was, I'm ashamed how much fast food I would eat. I was embarrassed. I told Ryan when I would go to Wendy's, do you know Elvis? I would get like a double junior bacon cheeseburger, a spicy chicken sandwich, a large french fry, and a large strawberry lemonade. And I would eat all of that at one time. It's embarrassing. I purged myself, praise God. Purged. So I was at this McDonald's eons ago. Okay. <laughs> Maybe like four months ago. <laughs> I'm still purging. I'm still purging. But it was, uh, and so I was like, hey, I want to I wanna, uh, pay for the meal behind me. And the guy was like, oh, that's what's up. Pay for it. I just went about my business. And uh, went back to McDonald's. Maybe like two or three days later, probably. Oh, God. I really haven't had fast food in a long time. Uh, I believe that. I think it's maybe been a month. The streak shall continue. No fast food this week at AYC. None. So I was back. Yeah. I was back uh, three or four days after, and the guy was like, uh, hey. It happened to be the same guy. I didn't even know it was the same guy. He was like, 
aren't you that big-headed guy that ordered all that food? No, he didn't say that. Uh, he said, man, aren't you, are, are you the guy that uh, bought that meal? He said, isn't that you? And I, I, I said, oh, man, it took me a second. I was like, yeah, 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 I did that, yeah. He was like, that was amazing. He said, you wouldn't believe it. He said, the person you paid for decided to pay for the next person, and they decided to pay for the next person, and he said, for like almost 30 minutes, people were paying for one another. The ripple effect. The ripple effect. I'm telling you, you and I cannot outgive, and this is what God has called us to do, to impact our world by increasing our generosity. And when we increase our generosity, it will grow exponentially. I celebrate because 10% of everything that comes into this house, we sow into another man's field. And in four years, we have sown almost $275,000. That's why I'm not surprised. God is investing in AYC. It's coming back here. Why? Because we are sowing into another man's field. We believe in extraordinary generosity. I'd like us all to stand. So the question is this. How do we as followers of Jesus and as a church multiply our impact through generosity? Of course, there are a ton of answers to these questions. But today I want to focus on one. And I believe if we'll instill this practice into our lives and into our church, we will see a greater impact than we've ever seen before. So here's the question. How do we as followers of Jesus, as his church, how do we multiply our impact through generosity? I'm going to go back to what I read to you earlier. I'm going to ask the question one more time. How do we as followers of Jesus, as a church body, multiply our impact through generosity? You ready? Kill Cain, not Abel. Kill Cain, not Abel. Kill your ego. Kill your pride. Kill your arrogance. Kill the spirit of competition. Kill boastfulness. Kill insecurity. Crucify yourself. Kill Cain. Not Abel. Why don't we just take a moment and begin to worship him? Come on, right now, the Lord is beginning to talk to some of you. Right now, in this very moment, come on. He's asking you questions. Why don't you just begin to be honest with him? And in this very moment, we're going to receive communion here. But just for a moment, we're going to rightly prioritize. We're going to say, God, I want you to reorder my world. I'm, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. I'm, I'm going to put you first, Lord. You are first in my life. I've gotten away from so many things, and I've allowed myself to be distracted. I've been hurt. I've been wounded, and I've allowed those things to fester. I've allowed those things to bind me. But God, I'm not going to let that happen right now. I'm going to right-size and reprioritize my relationship with you. I'm going to do what's right. You are first in my life. You are first in my home. You are first in my marriage. You are first in my family. You are first 
in me the very first thing I want to do God is give you all of who I am come on can we just lift our hands for a moment and entertain his presence can we just lean in come on and just lean into the presence of God right now Come on, it takes a minute to get through the minutiae. It takes a minute to get through the drama. It takes a minute to get through the hurt. It takes a minute to get through the heartache. It takes a minute to get through the confusion. It takes a minute to get through the cynicism. It takes a minute to get through your past and your judgments and your weaknesses. It takes a moment. But when you get through all of that, Jesus will be there saying, I love you. Come to me. I'm yours and you are mine. Will you push through the anger? Will you push through the bitterness and say, God, I'm coming after you? I want us just to lift our hands and just begin to surrender to him. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. You deserve the glory. Hallelujah. Hands in worship as we magnify your place I feel his presence the goodness of God is here there is no one no one else like you I feel like this would be a good place to transition as you remain worshipful I've asked the team of people to begin to distribute the communion elements and they're going to begin to do so and as they're beginning to do so, I want you just to remain focused on what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing. They're going to pass the communion trays down each aisle. If you would purposefully pass that to your neighbor when the time comes, that would be greatly appreciated. And if you choose not to participate, it's perfectly okay. You're under no obligation to participate in communion this afternoon. But what I want you to realize is when we say there's no one else like him, the Bible says it is the goodness of God that brings us to a place of repentance praise God the goodness you and I are not capable of repenting on our own if you are thinking about if you are thinking about saying God I'm sorry it's his goodness that's calling you it's his goodness that's calling you 
Praise God. As they're passing the trays down, you get to the end. You can just simply pass it to the person behind you, and then we'll restock. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to have Alex come, and as he's coming, you know what? Once you receive your communion elements, you can be seated. He's going to instruct us into receiving the Lord's Supper, and then we're going to respond, and we're going to celebrate the goodness of God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Like Pastor said, we're going to transition now into a time of communion. What a wonderful series that we're here in over these past few weeks, and I guess for a, a few more weeks, more than expected, but <laughs> not just being generous with your money, being generous with your thoughts, your time. Your energy. And if you think about it, there is nothing intrinsically logical to your flesh about being generous. When you when you check your bank account and you see your money, nothing is telling you to give. When you look at your packed schedule, and you see that you're only going to have an hour of free time a day. And you could be watching YouTube and doing whatever you want to do. Nothing is telling you to go invest into another person. Nothing in our flesh tells us to do it. You gave us a revelation for John 3.16. You can't separate the gift from the giver. Here's another one. Your generosity will not come from your flesh. It can only come from the things of the Spirit. It can only, and we know this, be operated out of love. For God so loved the world that he gave. He loved first, and then he gave. And I love this scripture. The Bible says, that we love first, or sorry, that we love because he loved us first, Elvis. We love each other because, I got one, I got you. Thank you, brother. We love because he loved us first. That's the only reason. So I'll say this. I'm going to be generous because he was generous first with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It can only be done out of a place of love talking about love, the Bible says, greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for you and I. That's the love that we're talking about in this place. And when you get a revelation, when you understand that he carried his cross, he had a, 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 a crown of thorns on his head, and he was crucified for you and I. So that you and I can be standing and sitting here today free, confident, and with assurance that you can step into his presence. Confident that you can be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He operated in the highest form of love and generosity first. 
We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting at verse 23 for this portion of communion. The Bible says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you, my God. It was given. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Why don't you get the communion components opened? Verse says, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Thank you, Lord. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. And you may go ahead and do just that. Why don't you go ahead and put your hands together for what the Lord is doing in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. In your name. At this time, I'm going to invite everybody to come to this altar. And I want to say just one, one thing. When you are, on, when you are the recipient, recipient of a generous life you can forget thanks for listening to our podcast join us next week for another message of hope and life in jesus if you like what you just heard we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends extraordinarychurch.ca we are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in jesus If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.